The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Now you heard that little jingle for like five weeks, right? It makes you want to do that, right? Come on, admit it. You do that in your seats. It's okay to do. Okay, I've done it all the time. Um, yeah, but so we've been in this series, It Takes a Party. And, and didn't, by the way, Brad do a great job hosting today as well as all of our hosts. Thank you, Brad. And you've heard my message twice now. So really, if I go down right now, you can come up and, and just take over. That'd be awesome. But he serves as a treasurer on our council and all the people that have served on our council in the past to, to make this church what it is. They wear their faith on their sleeve and they support us as pastors. And it's just a, an awesome thing uh, as a church where we use our gifts uh, to really make uh, the church one church. And um, as we talk about this series, there's really uh, one thing, as I hear over and over again, what's come to my mind um, is this one question, what I'll remember for, for myself, maybe you guys have different things, but, um, you know, besides remembering the yummy treats, by the way, can we go over those? Uh, the donuts and, and the lollipops and the cookies and the popcorn and the bacon, and it's the first weekend of summer, and I know gossip comes uh, around, you know, these days. What's, what's it going to be? What is it? You probably already know, right? Well, what is it? Some of you, so some of you don't. So I'm not going to say it. So you can just have to sit through this message because it's not going to be ready until after the service anyway. But besides remembering that, what, what really in, in impacted me listening to Pastor Joe and, and uh, uh, the rest of our pastors speak is, is this question, where is Jesus calling me to have a party? So what does that mean? So in the context of my relationships with unchurched, unbelieving people, where has God placed me so that I can give an invitation? Small one, big one, whatever it is, so that uh, invite them to, to, to rub shoulders with you at a party or wherever, whatever context that is, so that the Holy Spirit can work and we can have spiritual conversations with them. And that's really the gist of what we're going to be talking, what we've talked about and what we're going to be talking about today when Jesus really is going to make an invitation to the greatest party ever. That's what we're going to talk about in Luke 14. But you, um, you've heard us say many times in the past um, in the sermon series that Jesus was accused of being this in a negative sense. Jesus was accused of being a partier. A partier. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19 records it this way. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and not just drinking water and goat milk and stuff like that, but uh, drinking because wine was prevalent all over the place. In fact, it's probably better for your stomach than the water. And, and they say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But was he ever actually drunk? Did he ever actually overeat? No, the Bible's clear. Jesus is without what? Without sin. So he's hanging out with sinners in order to introduce them to God the Father. His Father, and he wants them to be their Father. Because he's talking about eternity with them. Matthew chapter eleven nineteen 19 records that. And as I thought about that, you know what Jesus really does is he's living a missional lifestyle. A mission-minded lifestyle. And I think for us as Americans in terms of mission work or mission, we, I think we value efficiency over relationships. What do I mean by that? 
Well, when, when Brad asks you, how many of you picked up the angel, you know, and, and many of you raised the hand. That's a good thing to do. Don't get me wrong. We need to do that. We need to partner with, you know, bringing clothing and all these kinds of things and, and working it upwards programs and Christmas and Easter time here, supporting overseas missions, urban missions, all that. That's all good. But is there more? So you're squirming in your seats yet? Pastor Tony's going to ask you to do more. No. I'm not asking you to do anything more other than just continue to live your life and thank you for serving our church so well. But I, what, I'm at, what I am asking you to do is look at the life of Jesus like we have been these past weeks and how does he do mission? How does he do it? Because I think he has uh, a really a secret kind of um, uh, secret weapon when it comes to missional living that we can, all, we can incorporate in, in the life that we're already living. What do I mean by that? Well, did he attend parties? Absolutely. I mean, think about Matthew, this Matthew's text. Matthew, the tax collector, he was at a big party at Matthew's house. He's at a party at Zacchaeus' house. He's at a party and he's, he's going to the Samaritan woman at the wells, Mary Magdalene. All these people, this long line of, of this is how we do mission work, Jesus says. He's not always ready to go to the cross, right? I mean, that was his main mission, right? To die on the cross for our sins, to be raised to life for our justification. Yes, but there's so many times in Scripture where he says, my time has not yet come. Doesn't this, you remember reading that? My time has not yet come. So what's he do in the meantime? He rubs shoulders with sinners. And in the context of that, he's sharing who, who he is and what the kingdom of God is like. I want you to look again at Matthew eleven nineteen, especially the last words of that. And the last phrase is, but wisdom is proved right by her actions. See, Jesus is valuing relationships over efficiency. Yeah, I understand we only have so many minutes and hours in a day and so many hours in the week. But Matthew chapter 11, I like the way the New Living Translation translates this phrase. Wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Jesus is saying, just look. My way might be, you might think it's ineffective and inefficient and time consuming, but it's intentional. Because Jesus watched He listened, he was at parties, he shared stories, and in the middle of that, when it was time to speak the good news, he did, and it was well-received. Why? Because he earned the right to speak. He was relational. And that's what we're talking about in this series. Where is Jesus calling us to have that relational party? And we're going to talk about the greatest party ever now, so if you want to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14... And I want two things to happen. That's my prayer when I started writing this message. That Luke 14 would be a warning not to miss the invitation. A warning not to take the invitation of the gospel for granted for all of us who are believers. But also an encouragement. An encouragement to invite people, as Jesus did, to belong to God's kingdom. To believe the good news and become followers of Jesus. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 14, and as we do, we're going to see that Jesus is is invited to a highfalutin party, a black tie affair, if you will. It was a high-class party, the Bible says, in in a prominent Pharisee's house. And I want you to look at verse 7 with me, and it records Jesus, how he notices, Jesus notices in verse 7, that the guests were picking places of honor. And when I see that, I think it pains Jesus to see all this pompous kind of behavior. So he says to the host in verse 12, 
Look at verse 12. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a party, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The resurrection of the righteous is the kingdom of God. At the end of time, it's going to be a party. He's trying to convict. This is the context of this parable that we're going to read. He's trying to convict them of their sin, of this kind of high society living, showing off, extending invitations just to benefit their own standing. And look at verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And as I read that again and again, all of a sudden what comes to my mind is a beer commercial. Yes, I know. It's World Cup. There's all kinds of commercials like that, right? Don't tell me who won to this morning, okay? You won't, right? Because you don't know what the World Cup is. <laughs> England played Tunisia. Come on. Okay, so uh, I, I, I just picture and envision this frosty mug this guy's having, you know, at this party. Blessed is the man who will eat in the kingdom of God. First of all, this man probably knows all of Jesus and what he's done. And in the Pharisee mind, in the mind of Jews, the Messiah is going to come and bring heaven to earth. And he's going to start this political revolution and this military, you know, uh, taking on of Rome. And so I see this guy, hey, I'm with Jesus. He's not the, you know, it's not the king of beers, but it's the king of bread and fish, right? The miracle worker, the storm stopper. Life is good. It can't get any better than this. It's like that commercial from the Super Bowl a few years back. We're going to be okay. Yet, Jesus looks at him and says, man, buddy, listen up. I'm going to tell you a story because you don't understand why I'm here. And this parable of Jesus, it communicates a spiritual truth, right? That's what parables do. They communicate a spiritual truth. And those with God's spirit, they're going to understand what he's talking about. Those who are rejecting and without God's spirit, they're kind of baffled. And so this man, he mentions at the resurrection of the righteous or the feast in the kingdom of God. That's the greatest party ever, folks. That's what he's talking about. At the end of time in heaven with Jesus, the Old Testament talks about it. The New Testament talks about it. In Isaiah chapter 25, it says this. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. Is this a party? Yes. And I want you to notice who's the one who's, who's preparing this party for us. Who is it? The Lord Almighty is the one who invites, the one who prepares, the one who hosts the party. Not us. The Lord. And then in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, chapter 19, we get a little glimpse of what that's going to look like. It's up on the screen for you. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Are you ready for that party? Are you ready to sing hallelujahs? Are you too comfortable on this life, on this earth? That's what we're going to talk about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're listening. And then it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. 
Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. What are the true words of God? It's going to be a party, folks. It's going to be a party in heaven with Jesus. Are you ready for that? In this parable, this greatest party ever of all time, Jesus is trying to communicate. But, but I can't help but also going back to, to Revelation chapter 8. Look at it more closely. And you notice that Jesus is the one who provides what to wear to get into this party. It's given to us. We don't have to worry about not being dressed well enough to go or not having the right things to get into this party. And I also can't help but notice when I read Revelation that this ultimate party, it's described as a wedding. Back to Luke 14 in Jesus' parable. He's about to tell this parable. Remember verse 15, this guy blurts out this wishful thinking about life is going to be good. Life is going to be good for him because he's a Jewish Pharisee. He thinks he's in good standing with God. He deserves to be at this ultimate party. But here's what I want you to do. Read 16 and 17 out loud with me slowly, okay? Verses 16 and 17. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, Come! For everything is now ready. So stop there. And I want you to look. This invitation, does it just go out to a group of select people or only those good enough? Or does the Bible say that it goes out to many? Answer, many. This is God's heart, brothers and sisters in Christ. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the Truth. That's what Scripture says. Scripture says God is patient with us. Not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. You remember reading that on the screen during the song, right? God's promises are yes and amen. This is God's heart. This is what he wants, that everyone be invited to this party and be in this party. I want you to also notice in these verses, are there any requirements made to the people to come to the feast? Do they have to pay an entrance fee? Are there any pre-qualifying tasks or any hoops to jump through? No. It's a free invitation by God himself, the master. And in your message outline, in your bulletins, I like the way I read what Martin Luther said about this parable. He is the host, the butler, and the meal. He sets the table. He clothes the guest, and he feeds them. Isn't that good? I love that, that phrase. The invitation is the gospel. That's what it is. The invitation is the gospel. That we're sinners, yet yet because of that, while we're still sinners, what did Christ do? He died for us. And we let the Holy Spirit work in the context of our relationships. That's what Jesus is doing when he's partying. Spiritual conversations are going to happen. And it's going to be great. And he's just in this home of this prominent Pharisee with all these teachers of the law there. And they're all looking to just... You know, we're going to catch you. Your words are going to be, you know, and we're going to twist them, and and we want to just kill you. And how smart is Jesus? And how bold is he? Here's how bold he is. Verse 18. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field. 
I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. What's the excuse? Lamo excuses. Who's going to buy a field without seeing it? Who's going to buy oxen without trying them out? They're like, well, you know, I got this thing, you know, and I'm sorry, I wish I could party with you, but, but I can't, and, and uh, sorry, I got to go. That's really essentially what they're doing. And, and, and the, the host, the, the, the one who's inviting them, do you have any idea who's inviting you? The Son of Man. He said it right here. Jesus is inviting us. And he paid for the party. How did he pay for it? With his own blood. With his work on the cross or dying for our sins and rising again. And you have no idea. And what are you going to do? You're going to make excuses? You're going to reject? You see, here's the thing. Jesus is God, isn't he? And we know God's heart. God says, I want you to love me with your whole what? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm a jealous God. I have no rivals. And so the master of this house, the one who's inviting the party, he's going to get angry, isn't he? He said, I don't want excuses, but we're masters of excuses, aren't we? Are we or are we not? Is there any man, woman, child on this earth that doesn't excuse away their sin? I'm guilty of it. I'm going to try to justify my ways. They're right. I know it. I'm guilty. Other people? Adulterers, when they blame their spouse, oh, you made me do it. The unforgiving grudge holder, who, you know, I'm not going to forgive you because your, your, your apology wasn't sincere. The gossip, the one that says, you know what, I'm going to destroy your reputation because all I'm speaking about is the truth. We are masters of excuses. And Jesus is warning the Pharisees who are listening, check your excuses at the door to this party. Jesus knows it all anyway, so you might as well confess it. Amen? There's no secret sin or public sin that he doesn't know that we have. And so when we come into church, when we start sharing to people, what is this about this Jesus thing? I need him. I need him as much as the unbelieving, unchurched person. Today. Today. And we think, you know what? Sometimes I'm a good person. You know, I have two hands. I can hold on to my excuse, and I can also say, Lord, have mercy. That's what the people in this party were, were, were saying. I'm going to grip those excuses. Life is too good, you know. I want the field. I want the job. I want the family. I want the good stuff on this earth. But I also want Jesus. God, there's no compromises. Look at verse 21, what happens when they, they let the kingdom of God slip away. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Yes, God has anger. God has wrath, right? We just don't have a loving God. But God solves that for him. But I'll go on. He ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. But still there is what? Room. Master told his servant, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and make them. Compel them, another word is. Compel them with your mission-minded living to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you. And here's the hard words. 
Not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. And what do you think the people in the room are thinking? Ooh. I mean, the words that would cut like that. Come on. Remember, the sin is going out to this community of religious leaders. He's saying, you're rejecting my gracious invitation, the gospel itself. And it's a warning for us, isn't it? Not just a warning, but it's an encouragement. It's a warning to us to say, don't miss the banquet. Don't let life and the things of this life get so filled up with us that we're not thinking about what life is going to be like in the kingdom of heaven. This great party. Don't be careless about the invitation. Don't think of ourselves as too good and too holy because here it is. If we're well, do we need a doctor? No. If we're full, do we need to feast? No. If we're righteous, do we need to repent? No. You see, we're to consider ourselves the ones who are lame, crippled, and blind. That's us who mercifully are invited to this party. And we feast on God's word every day. And we feast on his gift of love and mercy given and extended to you every day. This parable, it's an encouragement. It's encouragement to say, receive this invitation with humility, accept it. And then along the way, would you invite other lame, crippled, blind people in with you? Yes. Look at what Isaiah, the man of God, said of old. Come. You hear that invitation sound? Come. Everyone who thirsts, are you thirsty? Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's free to us. This invitation is free to us, but it costs God his own son. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which does not satisfy? That means why are you out taking care of your fields more than coming to church, more than hearing God's word? Why are you doing all that stuff and trying to hold on to both? Listen diligent to me. To me, Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here today. But brothers and sisters in Christ, it is imperative. It is important. Every pastor of our church is going to tell you this. Come to church. Feast on the word of God. And that's what you get to do today and what we get to do today. And we do it regularly. Where am I? What's the next one? Listen. No. And eat. I said that. Did I say that? Did I say that or not? Say it again. Listen diligently. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. That's the invitation. Hear that your soul. That's the most important part of this whole thing. Not about what we have on this earth, what we don't have, if we're going through medical conditions, all that kind of stuff. It's about our soul that it would be strengthened and that I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my steadfast, sure love for David. Who's the greater David? Who's the one that's come? It's Jesus who has come. Behold, I made him, that's Jesus, a witness to the peoples because of our Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. He has glorified. Do you hear that invitation? Do you accept that invitation? Humbly and gratefully that we're part of this party, but Jesus said, you know what? It's a plus one invitation. You're invited, but guess what? He wants you to invite a friend to join. So where is Jesus calling you and I to have that party? 
I wish I could preach more because I could tell you and you can ask me how I've taken that to heart since we started this, this uh, series. What I've done in my life to say, yeah, I'm going to have a party big or small and I'm going to invite. I'm going to party today. It's World Cup, man. 2 p.m. Poland, Colombia. Like I said, don't tell me what happened earlier. How can we live a missional lifestyle and extend that invitation to young men who, who, who are, by, are by me and saying, Pastor Tony or Coach Tony, what's this about Jesus? Here's a Lee Strobel book, The Case for Faith. Here's The Case for Christ. Guys who, who might even be here right now for the first time, and if I do say this, I don't want to offend you if you're here as my guest. Um, guys who who look at me and say, what's so special about Jesus? And I go and, and, and I go to punch him. That's how I introduce him, myself to him. And he falls backwards with his Red Bull. He says some, some bad curse words. And, and, and I say, he's your savior and mine too. That was a year ago, almost to the day. And then a year later, the sky opens up. The heavens open up after a rainstorm and this tryout. And I said, look behind you. Let's start off differently today. That's God blessing you. And he says, all right. Because that man thought he shouldn't come to church because he doesn't pray. Or vice versa. He he doesn't want to pray because he doesn't go to church. How would you respond to that in that conversation? You know, I don't think I should pray because I don't go to church. I feel like a hypocrite. What would you tell him? That's the beauty of being in relationships with people. Invite them to a party. You're a part of this party, the greatest party ever. Would you do that this summer? Would God light a fire in you? That's what we're going to sing. Stand up, please. We're going to sing this as a prayer to God. For the sake of the world, light a fire in me, Lord.